the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the blessed month of Misra, and this is the last uh, Sunday in the Coptic year, or the last in, in the last month of the Coptic year. Uh, and in this last month, uh, and up until the uh, New Year, um, the Nairuz, the Church focuses on preparing us for the end, uh, the end of our life, the end of time, and so on. Uh, so this Gospel actually is filled with warnings for us uh, to be watchful and to be ready. Uh, if you notice in this Gospel, he repeated, the Lord repeated the phrase, take heed three times. Uh, and there are actually at least five warnings from today's Gospel that I'd like to dwell on a little bit with you this morning. Uh, so just to make them easy to remember, they all start with the letter D. Okay, so they're like the do nots. The first one he's, uh, he said is, do not be deceived. So the first warning is that we lest we, not, we, lest we be deceived. For he says what? In uh, verse 6, For many will come in my name, saying, I am he and, he, and deceive many. So he's speaking here about like the false prophets and the false Christ. Deception can be direct and can be indirect. Um, uh, and sometimes, you know, with any deception, there's something that they're trying to sell you, or idea that they're trying to sell you as being something that's true. The definition of actually to be deceived or deception is to believe something that is uh, not true or to believe something false as if it were true. What's the difference? The first one, when, he says, uh, when it says, believe something that is not true, this is like, I'm believing something that's not true, not by my own you know, uh, knowledge. So I'm missing some kind of knowledge, so I believe something as if it's true. For example, with Adam and Eve, uh, when Satan came to deceive Eve, he told her, in the day that you eat of this, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. She didn't know any better. Out of her ignorance, she believed him, and she fell. Right, so she was deceived because the cunningness of uh, Satan. Um, on the other hand, when he says what believing something that is false as if it were true, this is now a willful self-deception, and this is what's going on actually in the, in the media now is people are deluding themselves and claiming this is true. For example, uh, evolution. Right? This idea of evolution or this theory of evolution is now being taught to the children as if it was fact. Right? There is some microevolution within species. But to say that a single-celled organism turned into a human being is beyond any experience that we've ever had. And time alone can't yani, answer this. It's like saying we're going to take some sand and some rocks and we're going to put them in a box and we're going to shake the box for 100 billion years. Will this ever turn into a computer? No, because we need so much more than just sand and rocks, right? So to say some single-celled organism turned into a human being with a conscience and self-awareness, this is nonsense. But again, it's a self-delusion. There's something behind it, right? Um, this is actually a tactic, uh, and if you look at like all the movements now, whether it be you know the uh, LBGT movement or the atheistic movement or all of these different movements, they use a tactic called jamming to get us to believe something that's false. What did they do? And they actually they they taught they teach this and this is in psychology uh, and so on. And in, in the early 90s, the LGBTQ community came and they came up with a plan of how to delude the Americans and get them to be sympathetic with their cause and movement. And one of the methods was jamming. And what does this do? 
This is to tell people, regardless of whether it's true or whether it's foundation or whether it's backed up, but to jam the people with the idea, for example, that uh, a person can be, is born like a homosexual, right? So even if it's, there's no medical, like uh, it's not medically founded, but if I just keep repeating the lie over and over again, it will become believable, right? People will begin to believe it and to begin to consider it, right? Same thing with atheism. They say there is no God, okay? But then we look and we see the order that is in the universe, the precision by which the world is made. We're the only planet in the whole universe that has and sustains life and thrives, right? So again, uh, so far that they found, right? And they, what maybe is in light years away that we can never explore, we have no idea, God only knows. But the end of the day is there's precision that's made, right? So to say that this came from nothing and by chance, again, if I say it enough, people will what? Will begin to believe it. So um, there is a movement of delusion and to be deceived. So the Lord warns us here not to be deceived. So how can we avoid perhaps being deceived? Uh, even though it's a matter of ignorance and sometimes it's our own yani, uh, fault, uh, is to always remember, um, uh, uh, the remember God. And this is the struggle we have, is remembering Him. So if I don't want to be deceived, then I have to remember the truth. We find the truth, of course, in Scripture. We find the truth in the church. Um, and what do I mean by reminders? If you look at like the devices we have in our hands, so what's the purpose of them? Is to grab our attention as much as they can, right? So if I'm awake for you know whatever 14 hours a day, or or more, or 16 hours a day, the idea is for them to grab our attention for those 16 hours, right? So how do we combat this? Then we have to remember God. If we're going to you know live in a world that's trying to now snatch all of our attention. We need to now do our diligence in remembering Him. Whether it's listening to sermons or listening to uh, beneficial songs in the car, uh, having a regular schedule of reading scripture, praying consistently, right? Having friends that are interested in your salvation and you can talk about spiritual matters. You can talk about the social issues that are going on now, but in the light of the gospel, right? All of these things are helpful to keep our memory and our mind on God and His commandments. The second... Um, uh, the second warning of today is despair. The Lord says, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Some, you know, uh, this, when he says here, do not be troubled, some, when they see these kind of events, uh, they become falling into despair, like a sense of hopelessness, that everything is evil around me. And even when you look at the world and you look at the news, uh, you'll say everything is evil, but that's not the case. Unfortunately, good news doesn't spread yani, rapidly or far, but there's good news, but maybe we just don't hear about it, all right? Um, because, again, yani, uh, because good news doesn't spread, it doesn't make money either. You know, there's news networks that tried to just, you know, broadcast uh, good and positive news, and they didn't survive. Because just out of a weakness and frailty of man, we tend to lean towards things that are, um, uh, tragic and devastating and so on. Um, the prophet Jeremiah at one point in his life fell into this temptation of despair or was tempted with despair. Uh, he was the prophet pro uh, warning the people, the eminent uh, of the coming uh, destruction, uh, that they would be taken captive. And he would warn them and warn them and they kept rejecting him. 
So imagine loving and warning a people that hate you. Imagine trying to, if you're like a physician, to try to heal a patient who hates you. You might say, okay, it's impossible. I can't do anything. You just kind of, you wash your hands. But we're speaking about God here who loves us and we are his creation. So even when we hate him, he's still trying to save us. So Jeremiah was that prophet who was sent by God to do this. So he was hated by the people. He was poor. He wasn't married. He didn't have children. He was alone. He was ridiculed and he was rejected. So at one point it says in Jeremiah 20, Cursed be the day in which I was born. Why did I come forth from the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame? So he fell into this any point of despair. But you know, of course, any he this was just a, a moment, and then he came out and he continued his ministry. If we look at the hard times that we go through in our life, um, oftentimes these provide us with opportunities to be light to the world. St. John Chrysostom said something very beautiful. He said, light is most radiant in darkness. If we all remember uh, several years ago, I think it was 2017 was Harvey, right? 2017 was Hurricane Harvey. This city went through a very difficult time. Most of the city was flooded. But what you found, you found two different, you found two classes of individuals. You found those who kind of were just hid in their home and did nothing and just worried about themselves. Then you have those who were perhaps they were secure, but and then they went and helped other people as much as they could. I can't tell you how many times we went on streets, and not just uh, Coptic people, this is everybody, right? We'd go on the street and we'd find visiting maybe our, our people, and we find neighbors from along the street helping them, you know, break the sheetrock so they can get rid of the mold. And you find this all, all the community, and you'll find people who lived six to seven hours away who had boats would come drive not knowing where to go or how to help but just wanting to help right so we see sometimes these difficult situations divide people and and act as filters right so um we shouldn't fall into despair there's always light there can always something good that can be uh, come from any hardship in my life so what is the key here the key to not falling into despair is the shepherd what do i mean by the shepherd and psalm 23 that we're all familiar with. The psalmist says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So in the midst of walking through the shadow of death, what should we do? We should remember that we are sheep to the shepherd, the one shepherd, the creator of the universe, right? Who ho holds in his hands the balance of life, you know, in the whole universe. And this includes the people who are around me, right? Sometimes we might say, well, God can't work in the heart of the non-believer. Well, that's not true, right? You see how he worked in the book of Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar, right? You see many times through scripture he can work through the non-believers, through St. Paul himself, right? So God can work in the heart of the believer and the non-believer alike, right? Because he's, again, the creator of the universe. So we have to remember when we're tempted by despair, remember the shepherd, that we are his sheep and he is our shepherd. The third um, warning is to be defeated, not to be defeated. And we hear this in verse 9, it says, but watch, but watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. It's very easy in our life to feel defeated. 
to just say, okay, I've done what I could and that's it. And maybe what I could was really not my full effort. It's maybe all that I really want to do. It's very easy to fall and to be a prey of defeat, um, especially when the odds are stacked against us, when the odds are stacked against us. Again, if we turn to the book of Daniel, remember the story of the three holy youth, right? Who stood up for their faith and didn't bow to the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had, right? And if you remember the story, they, were t they stood before the king. They were, the th king threatened them and to kill them. And then they went and got the furnace hot, right? And remember what happened when the soldiers turned up the heat seven times? Remember what happened? Hmm? The, the, the soldiers burned and they died. So imagine you're one of you know, the three youth, and then the people who were just turning on the heat, they died because of the heat. You're probably thinking to yourself, okay, anytime now, God, just make it cold. Blow it out. Do something, right? And they start taking you and getting in, and you're like, okay, this is about the area where those soldiers died. Is God going to work or not? Until they, they even threw them in. But they didn't lose their faith. Actually, you know why? We know why from before their response to the king, we know that they wouldn't falter. Listen to what they say. And this is something we can all uh, use. It's in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. So when the king threatened them, their response to the king was this, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden images which you have set up. So they said, our God will deliver us. Now, they had no idea what was going to happen. But in their eyes, either outcome is deliverance. Right? So if they burn in the fire and they die, are they delivered from the king? They're delivered. Right? They're dying for their faith and they know the reward would be the kingdom of heaven. And if God miraculously delivers them and puts out the fire and saves them, are they delivered from the king? Yeah. You and I, sometimes we look at the difficulties and we look at uh, challenges in our life and we look at it one-sided. We don't see how God can be glorified in the midst of this hardship. We only see that God can be glorified if the hardship is resolved in the way that I imagine. Right? But they going into the hardship said whether this way or this way, as long as we are with you, this is deliverance for us. Right? So <clears throat> we have to remember when we're um, uh, tempted with defeat, the key to, uh, is to, to this is remembering that this world is not the end of the, the show. Um, <clears throat> our defender is our God. And if remember the promise that the Lord gave to the disciples when St. Peter confessed that uh, his faith and said that you are the Son of God, the Lord responded to Peter and said to him, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades itself will not prevail against it. We look at all the persecution that's against the church, all of these different ideas now that are in, in the world that make no sense right, to a lot of us. Even all of these movements will not uh, destroy the church. And we've been through much worse in our history. If you look 2,000 years, and just if you look back in 2015, of those 21 martyrs who were martyred on the seas of Libya, they provided an example of faith to the whole world. Right? So 
this is not the end. Uh, the, the next warning is doubtful, uh, doubt. He says, take heed, see, I have told you, you uh, all things beforehand. So Christ told them the things about the coming of the end, so that when they happen, they will remember his word and they will not be troubled. You know, if there was something that was going to happen and somebody warned you ahead of time, say like the hurricanes, right? What makes a hurricane easier to go through than a tornado? It's the fact that we can plan for it, right? We know the hurricane's coming, where it's coming, so we can evacuate, we can shelter, we can do all these things, so we can have much better survival chance, chance of survival. But when it comes to like earthquake or tornado, perhaps when we don't have any kind of warning, this becomes what you know more concerning, right? So when Christ gave us the signs of the end of time, He gave us these. So when they start to happen, we're not troubled, but we recognize them and we be, and we're ready and become uh, prepared. The same thing happened with the resurrection. When it came to the Lord, He told the disciples that He will rise again on the third day. You know, uh, and they will come and they'll take Him, they'll crucify Him, try Him, and He'll be crucified. But then He will rise on the third day. So when they see all of this take place, they remember what? Yes, He told us that He would be tried, He would be mocked, He would be crucified. But then He also told us what? That He's going to rise again, right? So then, when they see all of the hardship, you know, transpire, they know the resurrection is what is coming, and this builds confidence or what we call faith in God. So the key here to defeating doubt is um, trusting in the words of the Lord, knowing them and and trusting them. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The last warning is distraction or not to be distracted. That's why it says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. What keeps us from going to the end are distractions. What keeps us from completing a task are distractions. And again, all these are like the electronics and devices. The idea is to get us to be distracted. And the evil one wants us to be distracted. Distracted from what? Distracted from our salvation. He doesn't want us to consider our salvation. He wants us to consider my life now and how I can live the best life now with, without regard to the eternal life. Because if we begin to think about that, then we might act and change the way we behave. Right? That's why yani, sometimes we are distracted by others and sometimes we distract ourselves. Why do sometimes we distract ourselves? Perhaps we don't like who we are. So I distract myself so I don't have to face myself. Because when there's silence, I begin to think of myself. Right? Um, perhaps we distract ourselves because we know we're wrong and I don't want to face it. I know that I'm wrong and I don't want to face my fault or my sin, so I just keep myself distracted. Sometimes I'll distract myself because reality sometimes is too painful to deal with. And this is where we need to lean on others to help. Right? Some people have gone through many different things in life that are extremely painful. And they just distract themselves so they don't have to think about it. But then this is where the body of the church and we can lean on one another. Um, so what is the focus here, the key to defeating distraction is focusing on Christ. Focusing on Christ. If you remember the passage when St. Peter, uh, when the disciples saw the Lord walking on the water, and then St. Peter, you know, he said, it is I. So St. Peter said, okay, if it's you, let me walk on the water. So he told him to come. And as long as he was what, looking at Christ, what happened? 
He walked on the water, right? But as soon as he took his eyes off Christ and looked and considered that he was walking on water, he began to sink. And what happened when the Lord lifted him up? He said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Meaning, well, why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you look to the left or to the right? Keep your eyes focused on me, and you won't be distracted. Right? Um, that's why St. Paul tells us in the book of Colossians chapter 3, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not the things on the earth. So we always have to keep in front of us our eternity, our eternal life. Why exchange the eternal for the temporal, the things that are earthly? Yes, we do things here, and we care about our, our life and our careers and our families, and we live. But everything is through the lens of eternity. How does what I'm doing, where I am, who I'm with, affect my eternal life? So just to review real quickly the five Ds from today. The warnings were, do not be deceived, do not despair, do not defeat, do not doubt, and do not be distracted. And the keys were what for de deception is the key is to remember, remember God. The key to despair is remember the shepherd, we are his sheep and he is the shepherd. Um, do not be defeated, the key is uh, this is not the end or the end of the show. Number four is doubt, uh, the key here is to trust in the Lord's uh, words and lastly, the, uh, the heat against distractions, and this is to focus on Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.